You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Yes. I'm sorry about last week that we didn't get an episode in the camp. I'm I'm sorry. So much I'm happens sorry. within two weeks. Oh my goodness! I you mean, know, when we started, people were like, "What are you gonna have? Are you guys gonna, really gonna have generational stuff to talk about all every week?" What they don't realize is this is a current events po- podcast at its best. I at mean, its worst, it's us bitching about shit. <laughs> It's us bitching about our careers. Yeah, truly, truly. And NFTs, but. <laughs> oh, man, we're ready. For, are you ready for that NFT talk? I am more ready than I have been. Yes. Um, More ready. I than know more been. about it. I know. I understand the theory of the blockchain better than I had prior. Did you watch that viral five hour video? I didn't video. watch that. I I will eventually. If my our friend Solkatu, friend of the podcast, friend of my stream, has he was the one who sent it to me. He is very anti NFT, and he wouldn't mind me saying that. So I I should still watch it. But I also kind of picked his brain a little bit about why he feels that way. Okay, okay. Well, now I sat down. I, I didn't sit down. I was <gasps> doing dishes. Wa- I watched right. that whole thing. You did. Not in a row, in pieces, over the course of a week. But I did. I watched that thing from beginning to end. It's two and a half hours long. Um, and it's interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get into it and talk about I'm it. I'm so excited. So, you know, that'll be toward the end of this hour-ish long podcast where, where we normally do Crypto Corner. I'm still waiting for our fans to make that song for us. Yeah, where's that <laughs> drop? Boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Wait, you got it right now. We don't need fans. <laughs> I mean, it's all you. It's all, it's actually, it's all us is what it is. <laughs> well, crypto is, is shockwaving today. I mean, the whole world's shockwaving today. Oh my goodness. I mean, how can we? Bad choice of words. <laughs> no, it's the exact choice of words because that's what's happening. Right, right. It's the, a lot of things are going on. The world is at war, sort of. There's things that I don't even understand, so I want your insight about it. I and and really, I just want to just be here in the moment and appreciate the time we have together. <laughs> yes, because it's it's dark out there. Yeah, longest longest shortest February ever. Now look, there's something that we ha- missed talking about last week. That okay. I feel like we need to talk about, but it's all, it's kind of a lighthearted hoo-ha, whatever. So you, we can fit it in. Hoo-ha. A lighthearted hoo-ha. hoo-ha. A lighthearted whose generation was the Super Bowl halftime for? Did you catch any of this? Such a good hoo-ha to talk about. I actually even want to wait until after the break because, because we'll just, we'll just talk about it. I didn't even watch it, but that's what, that's what I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. That's a good one. This is fun. It's distracting. 
it's probably people are already over it because that was two weeks ago, but it's fine. We haven't weighed in. And that's this what is the people want is, is for our Jess opinion. and Nick to weigh in on this. That's our opinion. They want this. So I want. So here's what I'm going to ask in a, in a lighthearted way first, and then and then we'll see how the show takes us because we we got all sorts of things to talk about. My question to you is: Have you seen any of the films that are up for Academy Awards? Ooh, I don't think so. I don't even know what's. I have to look it up. I'm gonna look yes, it up. Yeah, I think you're gonna do that for me too. I think what I really want to do is make predictions based off of nothing, who we think is going to win the major categories. You wanted to get that done today? So right the... now. that We're going to start off lighthearted, and this is how we're going to start off, is lightheartedly. Oh, my God. The, uh, the Oscars are on my due date. March, oh. Yeah. 24th? March 27th. 27th. Well, I guess this is even better that we're getting this done now. Because <laughs> we just don't know. I've seen one of these films. Okay, so do us a favor for the audience at home, not for me because I know everything. What is what are the what are the 10 nominated films for the Oscars? Is it seriously year? 10? They've uh, they've they've I think they've increased it to 10. Yeah, right? It's or 10. 8? Yes. It's 10. It's kind of insane. Okay, number 1, Nightmare Alley. Okay. Have you seen that? No. No. I'm Bradley I'm interested. Cooper. Bradley Cooper, Guillermo del Toro. Someone I know really liked it. Thought Bradley Cooper was fantastic in it. Look, the odds of me actually watching a movie these days is so low. I think that's normal for most people. So, like, I even have screeners and I haven't watched it. So, like, this is what I'm trying to get at. It's like, we're going to make completely baseless assumptions about these films is what I'm hoping for. Oh, well, yes, because I know, I also know nothing about them uh, other than... It's kind of a noir. It's supposed to be noir Is it? Okay. It yeah, I think, it's, like, I think it's noir. Seems like a lot of older actress ladies and Bradley Cooper. Well, just think about, think noir, days. and then I'm going to give you a movie title. So think noir, and okay. then Nightmare Alley. Yeah, totally. Right? Totally. I did not assume it was Nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I did not assume it was, I did not assume it was a noir. Okay, fair. So we got Nightmare Alley. Okay. Don't look up, which we both saw. And, well, we uh, did. is that really nominated? That's uh-huh. interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, when you got ten films, you got to start. You know, <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> you start, true. You start reaching. <laughs> uh, Dune. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I saw I'd lo- Dune. You saw it. I'd love mm-hmm. to see it. I probably won't. It's probably it's long. very long. It's very. I never long. saw the original Dune nor read the book. Uh, I don't so- think you have to because people I know. That are about as smart as you never did either and liked it. But is this gonna like ruin the first Dune nope. for me somehow? No, no. Are so they, the first a- Dune that exists is by David Lynch. And if I remember the anecdote well enough, he Alan Smithied it when it first came out because the studios cut it so badly. There was like 12 hours on the cutting room floor. Apparently, the Japanese cut is the best version. Of what they so they basically had to make it into a, a movie that it wasn't supposed to be, but anyone that loves Dune for the most part loves that movie because it's still bringing to life something that they love, and it's a there's no sci-fi film like it to date and predating that. So mm. it's just it's just a movie in and of itself. So you do not need to watch that movie. I love it for nostalgia alone. So, but this is like. 
a remake. This isn't like a sequel or. It's whatever. a remake. This is Denis Villeneuve, uh, his vision for Dune. Okay. Okay. Uh, Drive my car. Drive my car. I don't even. I think I've heard that once. Mm, drive my car. Give me. An aging widowed actor seeks a chauffeur. The actor turns to his go-to mechanic, who ends up recommending a 20-year-old girl. Despite their initial misgivings, <laughs> a very special relationship develops between the oh. two. Who's in it? Uh, well, I am going to butcher all of these names because it seems Wonderful. like... Is it a foreign film? Is it a foreign... It's, yeah, it's Japanese. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Adapted from Men Without Women, language Japanese. For, okay. Well, all right. Am I looking at the right film here? Yeah, it must be. Um, I'm not going to even attempt to... Okay, wonderful. ...to say these names. Okay. Yeah, I didn't... This is all last minute. Okay, so... Masaki so Okada. Got... I could do that name. I feel Good comfortable job. with Masaki Okada. Okay. Okay. Toko Miura. Yeah, anyways, okay, all right. Yeah. You did it. Now, I, got... I will say I spoke Japanese in a play once. Did you know this? At the Mark Taper Forum. So I don't know why I'm afraid to take a shot at these things. What? So. I'm Are talking we... to a very famous theatrical actor in LA. I That's I was a big in a, F deal. I was in a play at the Taper and I played uh, three different characters, and one of the characters was a Japanese cop. I had a couple lines in Japanese. That's incredible. Wait, is it? Would it be problematic now for you to be cast as a Japanese cop? Well, I think because for this particular play, you know, the other two characters are Middle Eastern characters. I think they just needed this moment for another character. Oh, totally. So they just, you know, they can't like cast an actor, another actor as that. So, you know, they. They kind of like, I was wearing a hat, so you can't, you know, you can't really see my face on the stage. It's dark. I got you know? it. Well, got it. <laughs> Jesus. You, but you as in the audience know it's like, oh, it's probably that guy who plays that Arab teacher. Um, got it. So it was a Pulitzer Prize winning play. It's no big deal. Let's get back to, let's get back to uh, our list here. Belfast. Right, J Jamie Dornan and uh, I, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. yeah. Um, I've I've heard it was good. It actually, it was, good. Uh, it was finally advertised to me, and it looked more interesting. It actually caught my attention. The advertising this time around. Let's see. Google is not giving me simple. There it is. A semi-autobiographical film which chronicles the life of a working-class family and their young son's childhood during the tumult of the late 1960s in Northern Ireland capital. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. It's a, it's a good cast. It's a good cast. All right. Here we go. Licorice Pizza. Right. Thomas Anderson. I've heard mixed reviews. Really? I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, Alana Kane and, and Gary Valentine grow up, run around, and fall in love in California's San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. Oh, man. It probably is going to remind me of my life too much. I don't think I want to watch it. <laughs> Another Bradley Cooper. Look at him. Yeah, he's on, he's on a roll. 
But apparently he's in that for like two minutes. Mm. But I also don't think he was nominated for Best Actor at all. Now there's an actor here listed as George DiCaprio. Is this like, is this related, any relation to Leonardo? I mean, it's gotta be. You don't go into the film business with that name unless you either look like him or are him. George DiCaprio. Oh, he's a... He's a writer. Interesting. That's funny because I did see the poster for Licorice Pizza today. And I was like, that actor looks like, like, you know, the drawing, but it looked like DiCaprio. Oh, it's his, DiCaprio's father. What? Wait, I'm looking on Wikipedia here. It says children, Leonardo DiCaprio. Whoa. Whoa. The plot thickens. <sighs> no, yeah, they do look alike, although he's got long, dark hair and a, and a Fu Manchu facial <laughs> situation on this Google pick. I don't know if how oh, Google. Who's not, it's not Paul Newman, but another good looking Robert Redford. My dad swears up and down that Robert Redford is Brad Pitt's uh, dad. Oh, and they look so much like each other. And in um, the Quentin Tarantino movie that was you know based on uh, Charles Manson or whatever. He, I think they purposely made him look like Robert Redford, but like, I think like my dad's theory was that they never wanted to say that he was related to Robert Redford because they wanted him like, kind of like a Charlie, Charlie Sheen, as opposed to Emilio Estevez. Mm. So Emilio Estevez wanting to get famous on his own, right. Not on his dad's right. Kind of thing. Which is tricky when your brother's also like your whole family's in the industry. We know, you know I mean? There's an Osborne that we don't know who is an Osborne that wanted to be an actress on her own, right? She wasn't even on the television show. Oh, is there really? Yeah. And they just never make reference to her? That never. Another, that there's another sibling? There's a third sibling, yeah. Did she funny. Make, did she make it on her own? I don't, I don't know. I don't keep up with her because I don't know who the heck she is. <laughs> <laughs> How do we find out? We're gonna, somebody, I mean, Google. Google. Somebody out there. Well. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> All right. So we got licorice pizza. A couple now, more. Power of the dog. Uh-huh. A domineering rancher responds with mocking cruelty when his brother brings home a new wife and her son until the unexpected comes to pass. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. It's a Western. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kristen, Kirsten Dunst. Kristen Dunst and, um, and, uh, God, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, and Meth Damon. Um, <laughs> Meth Damon. Yeah, he looks like Matt Damon, but people call him Meth Je- Damon. Jesse Plemons. Yeah, yeah, him? and they're married. Her, him and Kristen Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Oh. Well, there you go. What a dream. <laughs> Starring a movie with your wife. Okay, now here's a movie that I I really want to see. Like this one, I'm going to make the time to see it. Which one do you think? I would say that I'm. You're the make... worst. No. Because uh, I, I didn't know that. Wait, wait, wait. You want to see? Because this is this is what happens is I forget that movies exist. Ooh, you want to see this one? You want to see? I don't know. West Side Story. You do not want to see that movie. <laughs> I do I want to see you it? You do. I I I I break up with you right now. Are you kidding? I love West Side Story. It's one of my favorite musicals. I and just I, don't you know, want to see it remade, I think. Well, sh- certainly it could be garbage. I don't know. No, but I don't it got nominated. So. I don't think yeah. I think people thought it was good. Yeah, I've heard good I've heard good things about it. And it's all right, it's we'll nom- watch it. We'll watch it. It's together. nominated. Like, what do you got against West Side Story? 
nothing is I just don't need it right now. I just didn't mm. need it. I don't know. You don't want a more, I think it's like a modern take on it though, right? I um, don't know, but I do think that the actors that are cast are more culturally correct. <laughs> like they're, uh, <laughs> they are actually Puerto Rican or, you know, something like that. So. You know, what's amazing. I, so I was in West Side Story in high school. And are you a jet or a shark? Uh, I was neither. Okay. I was, I was doc, the store owner. <laughs> I auditioned for this play just for the experience of singing and dancing. I didn't care. I, I could have been the smallest chorus part. And, uh, anyways, I got cast as doc who doesn't sing or dance. Um, but he That's talked, so he talked like this. He was old and, um, but, but good question. Was I a jet or a shark? Cause see in El Paso, where I grew up, where it's a majority Hispanic, even Tony was Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> he was like Italian. <laughs> That's really, really great. So funny. Um, That's great. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I love I love me some West Side Story. I was so in funny. it. I, I, I got to see it. Would have never guessed it. it. Yeah. It's also probably just something that doesn't like demand too much of my emotional presence. That's a good point too. Uh, then King Richard, which uh, I don't know where I stand on wanting to see this. Sure. Armed with a clear vision and a brazen 78 page plan, Richard Williams is determined to write his two daughters, Venus and Serena into history. Training on tennis courts in Compton, California, Richard shapes the girl's unyielding commitment to keen intuition. Together, the Williams family defies seemingly insurmountable odds and the prevailing expectations laid before them. Like, I'm all down for the uh, Williams story. And like, as a doc, as a documentary, I'd want to see it. Show me. As a bio, as a biopic, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's great. I mean, I love Will Smith. I mean, I love these actors. I think the story it's telling is important and the opportunities it gives is important because, you know, really ultimately what we're watching is a man fight for his daughter's right to be on the tennis court. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I know the story, <laughs> or, <laughs> even though I probably don't. And I also don't know if I need to see Will Smith doing it. I don't know. I'm with you. It, but I don't think we, it's easily, I'm not saying you're saying this, but I don't think you can write it up as, did it need to be made as a movie? But you're right. A documentary would be interesting too. Both. Movies. I'm just saying for my taste, you know, but you know, there's, there's been a lot of great biopics out there. I feel like usually the good biopics, like you've had, like there's some, some distance from in time from when the story came about now i guess there's distance in time from like you know from the time when they were growing up but they're still professional tennis players you know still playing right. very well right um but i mean who's to say when it, when somebody's story should be told totally no one's i mean it probably it, it's obviously it did well enough to be nominated just but it might not interest me ultimately to watch it yeah so far the only <laughs> movie that I'm actually going to make time for is probably the one that's least likely to win. 
is West, West, Side, Side, Story. West Side Story. I wonder if the world needs West Side Story to win. <laughs> <laughs> is that the last one or is there one, one more? One um, more. Coda. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's a Marley Mar, uh, Marley Matlin film. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This is what? So about the girl who grew up with deaf parents? Let's see here. Ruby is the only hearing member of a deaf family from Gloucester, uh, Gloucester Massachusetts. Uh, at 17, she works mornings before school to help her parents and brother keep their fishing business afloat. But in joining her high school's afloat. choir club... Ruby finds herself drawn to both her duet partner and her latent passion for singing. Oh. Okay. So interesting. Interesting. So with absolute, I, the only one I, well, I have not, I want to see Power of the Dog. I have a feeling I know what's going to happen and I'm scared to watch it. But I think I really want to watch it, and I I I want to see Belfast now more than I thought I wanted to ultimately. Mm. Okay. I think I mm, I have no idea what's going to win. What do you think is going to win with absolutely no basis of uh, opinion? Gosh, I just, it's also just hard to really get a sense for like, which film did well at the, at, you know, at the theaters. I mean, I'm sure I could look up box office numbers or whatever it is, but even then they're probably skewed because how the movies are being released nowadays. It's so, that's so difficult, right? And um, plus I'm not really in the social, like you're not really like hanging out with your friends all the time talking about movies or going to go see them. So I <laughs> don't really have any frame of reference for like, What's the hot movie this year? Well, let's think about it this way. Because you're right. I'm similar. I've heard good things about Licorice. I've heard good things about West Side Story. Uh, I personally love Don't Look Up. I don't think it's going to win. I've never heard about Drive My Car. Nightmare Alley does not seem like it's any good. <laughs> um, and, and Dune got picked up for the, the second part of Dune. So it did well enough in the first weekend to get picked up for the second film. I don't think it's the best film I've ever seen. I don't think mm. it's the best film of the year, but it be it could be it could win. Interestingly enough, Denis Villeneuve didn't get nominated for mm. best director, even though the film got nominated for like eight eight Academy Awards. Oh, that's what I needed to do. I need to see who got who, who got nominated for what else. That's a big telltale sign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just make an errant choice. Let's see what happens. Okay. You first while I scroll through all the... Oh, my God. (laughs) See how many times I see people's... I see a movie pop up. Am I even looking? I wonder if Drive My Car might win because the Academy is getting better with uh, foreign films actually being considered. Um, and I, 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 I think Power of the Dog. I think Power of the Dog is going to win. Okay. I have a, just based on the... I feel like there was a time when maybe CODA has the subject matter 
to win an Oscar, right? Yes. Kid, kid yes. growing up with deaf parents who who wants to sing, but the parents can't hear it. You know, it just feels like it's like prime for the topics oh, that Oscars sure. used to win on, right? Yeah. Uh, or movies used to win Oscars on. But I just don't. I just don't know. I don't think it's happening this year. It's so funny because this is baseless, but I feel like Mar Marley Matlin's in so many things that it just. I don't. It doesn't matter that she's in this film. I don't know. Like. She's so saturated in my, even though she's a wonderful actress. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But she's good. I don't know. She is good. I, I feel like it comes down to, to the power of the dog or Belfast. Just based, I don't know, but can they give it to such, I guess it has like such, both like super white films, right? Well, that doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter as long as they did take into consideration all sorts of films. It is the Academy is still very, very white, and that's the biggest problem. I, actually, that was what 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 turned me off of Nightmare Alley. It just seemed so like, ooh, these old white people have nothing better to do, so I just put them in this film. <laughs> that's just how it felt to me. Anyway, one day I'll be old. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna put my money on Power of the Dog. Maybe Licorice Pizza, but basically, a lot. All of these films are pretty white, besides June. I'm gonna and put Jeremy my money on Belfast because even though it's white, it's about a suppressed people's cause, and it's got Jamie Dornan and Judy Dench. And Judy Dench, you know she's gonna die soon, so they got to give her something. All right, there you have it. Having knowing it. nothing about these films. Uh, but should I should I uh, regale you with the fact that I myself was in an Oscar-winning film? Oh God! Yeah. Yep. Let's go. I've never known this before. You. This was, and strangely, it's related to West Side Story. What? It was called West Bank Story. I know what you're talking about, and I remember when it was a big deal. It won best. Uh, you know, best short film it was a short you film. You need to put that on your resume. It's on my resume. What do you mean? Of course, that's Academy <laughs> Award winning actor. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, careful. It's not, not an Academy Award winning actor. I'm an actor who was in an Academy Award winning film. That's a big F deal. Big deal. Big deal. Um, Were you? So it was, it was. It was Palestine and Israel, right? Yes, rival falafel stands. It was the West Side Story model. It was a musical. Uh, it was, and it was a, a USC grad film uh, thesis project. Wow! But you know, at the time, you back in the day, you could tell like, is this a serious film or not based on what camera they were going to use? And I and they they shot. They were going to shoot it on thirty five millimeter. And I was like, oh well, this is more than just. A grad film if you're shooting it on 35 millimeter did you have I'm, a line yeah and i and we rehearsed i sent i mean i didn't i didn't really sing we didn't sing they don't I like i guess we're seeing a trend here people don't want to hear you sing well no no i it just most of us all the singing was it was just part of the shtick all the singing was done post you know by other by other people and and, and all the actors lip-synced um so but no, we had to dance. We had to learn these routines. Um, 
Uh, a couple, a friend of mine also got cast in it, and some people I'm still friends with from it. Um, wow, yeah. it's crazy. I feel so honored to. I'm going to put this before our podcast. Academy Award winning movie actor. Yeah, Nick Masu. You don't know Nick Masu. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't know is he's Academy Award adjacent. Um, <laughs> you not adjacent participant. Sure, certainly. Sure, we'll That's a it. big deal. I feel super titillated. Good, congratulations. No, thanks. You know? See, this is oh, this is a big deal. Big deal. Just, just, Sticker. I just, in case you didn't appreciate who you're co-hosting this show with, um, just during the break, I will do my best to give Nick the words of encouragement he needs. And, and if you guys feel so inclined, please tweet at us. Are you a geek? Do you like naming things? My name is Scott Rubin and I wrote the ultimate guide for geeks to name anything. Whether you're naming kids, your pets, your car, your Wi-Fi network, or your role-playing game characters. Naming Your Little Geek has almost 1,100 name entries and I tell you where the name came from, if it's a real name or if it's a fictional name, all of the characters who have had that name, and I reference over 4,400 characters from science fiction, fantasy, comic books, movies, TV shows, cartoons, you name it, it's all in there. And it ranges from normal sounding names like Scott or Jessica to really off the wall bizarre ones from all of our favorite fantasy and sci-fi properties. You can pick up a copy of Naming Your Little Geek at bubblesandthingssoaps.com and check out all the other cool items there. Some really neat soaps. Naming Your Little Geek is also sold everywhere books are sold online and you can even find it in some physical bookstores if you're a person who shops in physical stores these days. You got hoo ha for me. I got well. I got hoo ha for you. Or you said let's talk, we're talking. The world has hoo ha to talk about. This is what we're calling this next segment. This hoo ha. Oh wait, I thought you're not referring to the Super Bowl. You're talking. Where about... I'm referring to the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. You called it hoo ha. I did. I but then I got confused for a second there. The way you said it was like I thought you you were referring to the invasion of Ukraine as hoo ha. Like, no, oh, no, oh. I would not be so flippant about that. Yeah. So, so I avoided the Super Bowl with the ten foot pole. Why? I just don't really care. Sometimes. Okay, but you just have, okay, sure. I, I, I sometimes also because it was the Rams this year, and it was at LA. I was a Rams fan when they were here the first time, and and I didn't know that they got to the Super Bowl. It was just off of my radar. My brain was like out to lunch. It was just not, I wasn't present. So by the time that I learned that the Rams not only won the Super Bowl and they, they were going to play here, I was going to feel so much FOMO that I just took my hands off of it and said, I can't, I'm not even going to go to a party. Also, it's COVID. The COVID had peaked in the, I didn't want to go to someone's house and watch the movie or the movie. <laughs> I didn't want to watch the show because I, I wasn't going to, I don't have access to it. I didn't want to watch it. You know, so I just didn't go out of my way. I, didn't, I think I took a big nap during it. Well, it was, it was a hell of a game. 
It was a really, really good game. Now, was no, it look, really? You're, talk, you're talking to a guy who loves football. You do football, fantasy football. Did you win? I this do year? do fantasy Did football. You... I I came I came in second, um, which was pretty good. Um, I made a mistake mid season, and had I not made that mistake and traded with the guy who ended up beating me in the finals, um, I might wow. have won. Wow. Had I made different choices in that final game, I also still could have won. And that that's where I'll I'll kick myself a little bit. But no, I lost. I came in, but second place is great. Now next year, maybe, maybe next year we'll have a, you know, a fantasy football corner. You know what I mean? I'll just give Ooh. you the, uh, give you the updates. <laughs> sure. I'd be down. No, no. So, <laughs> so I don't hate football. I was more invested in it when I worked at a restaurant that had a TV. That, so like sports center was on. It was the only thing we were allowed to watch was sports center. So like I knew what was going on with all the guys. Like I knew who was <laughs> winning. I had opinions and guys would be like, Oh, a girl who knows about football. And don't get me wrong. Like I did want to impress. So I like kept tabs on all the sportsies thingies, and I was raised to like sportsies, sportsies thingies, sportsies mm-hmm. thingies, sporty thingies. Uh, and I was even the water girl for you know a semester, and I loved it. You're the water girl. I was You're d- taking water bottles out. Oh yeah, to to sweaty dudes. Oh yeah, in the locker room and everything. It was great. <laughs> you went into the locker room. Only mild sexual harassment occurred. <laughs> uh, so you were harassing the players? Is that what exactly, saying? yeah. Like sniffing their jock straps. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeremy. You know. Uh, yeah, so I did it. And then I then it, then came, I wasn't doing well in the theater program. So it, it made sense to do something different at the time. And because I was like getting cast in the shows. And then finally, like I was going to get cast in the show. And it did necessitate me not being a water girl. And it, I remember telling my friend, this is the hardest decision I ever have to make. And she goes, this is not a hard decision. <laughs> so I do like football. If if I had a reason to care, I if, and we did football corner, I'd be down. I'd be down. When I look, I, I love football. It's uh, my, my father basically either watched news or sports. So mm-hmm. that was what was on TV. And in particular, we all we all loved football. Um, and I've had to like pare down any other sport, um, including college football. I had to pare, you know, like in terms of time, wow. like what I can watch, what I can pay attention to. So I now I only pay attention to NFL really. So you put blinders on because again, you're gonna get FOMO if you can't watch the Lakers game or something like that. Oh, I hate the Lakers, but yes, you know. I, okay. I grew up a Celtics fan. What's up? The last thing I did before the pandemic was go, was sit almost courtside for a Celtics game. Oh my gosh. It was awesome. And I got on the Jumbotron and the guy from behind me was like, you're on the Jumbotron LA, you know, like go, like, I was drunk as all get up. It was great. Right? So it was a good time. It was a good time. I did oh, not it, know you were a Celtics fan. Oh what? yeah. Yeah. How did we're... that happen from Texas? Well, my, my, so my dad was a big basketball fan and basketball player. Um, and my, his mother, my grandma was a huge basketball fan, loved basketball. And she loved the Celtics. She was from New York. So, but she, she was very particular about who she rooted for. Uh, like she, 
she didn't root for the Knicks because she didn't like Patrick Ewing. Mm. But uh, but she did root for uh, the Spurs because she loved, oh my God, Tim Duncan. Uh, so Totally. You know, wow. she just, anyway, so she was a big Celtics fan. And, and, you know, at the time for me growing up, it was all Celtics, Lakers, and mm. and also and also the Pistons, which I was from Detroit, so I liked the Pistons too. But I just, you know, my dad was a Celtics fan, and so it was just easy to be trickle down economy to, to watch to watch, you know, that those teams play at that time. I mean, it was just it just was special. I mean, uh, you know, Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird. Oh, it just was just amazing basketball. So. So I just became a Celtics fan and and then when the Celtics weren't very good and I just you know basketball kind of went away. Fair weather fan, you fuck. No, this the whole sport went away. I never was like a guy. It's too long a season. The sport didn't go away. Michael for me, Jordan? Oh. For me. No, no, oh, Michael Jordan. I love Michael Jordan. I watched all of Michael Jordan. Certainly. Um I wouldn't say I was a Bulls fan, but definitely loved watching the Bulls, you know, when they were winning. So it wasn't that, and I and I actually there is a there is a Laker period that I watched the Lakers and really enjoyed watching them. That was the Shaq Kobe era. Oh, liked, what an exciting period! I liked that era. Totally. But I, I was never a regular season. I've never been a regular season guy. Like it's just too sure. many games. So when I say like I you know I stepped away from basketball, it's like if if the teams I was wanting to watch weren't in the playoffs or the finals then I'm not probably not watching. But once the playoffs come, you know, I'll start paying attention and, and whatnot. When the Celtics and the Le- met the Lakers again with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and right. the, the, that, you know, oh my God, I was back in it. I was right there again. It was amazing. I don't know wow. if you remember that, that period. But like no, no, I think that was probably the last vestiges of my basketball career. Because like I too was invested in basketball for some time. And then it's it's come and gone. Like just just like baseball had its exciting era too. This is a good conversation for another time, actually. I think it's like what our eras of sports were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Baseball is the one that I I don't I never really got into, so I don't. But I think everyone was in on it with like the Sammy Sosa era. Like everyone was keeping tabs on how many home runs were getting hit. You know what I mean? Yeah, not not me, but okay. Uh... Okay. Well, anyway, happened. never happened. Anyway, Anyways, back to football, football psychopath. Yeah. So I'm, you know, but oh, when L.A. Uh, Rams, when the Rams came back to L.A., at first I was all I was all into it. Now my my football team, we don't have to get into it, is the Miami Dolphins. It happened, Dan Marino in 1984 against Joe Montana in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was six years old and I rooted for the Dolphins. Who probably, we all did. We all rooted for the Dolphins at one point. <laughs> Anyway, some and I'm very loyal, so they're my team. But whatever, I so needed cute. I needed another team, and the Rams coming back to LA was it. I was like, yes, I'm in. Totally, totally. I'm in. But then something happened this year. You know, I don't know what, what happened. Like, you fantasy, are a fair weather fan. Oh no, my well, god! Fantasy football kind of ch- changes your allegiances year to year because you start like you start watching different players differently. You start falling in love with different teams, you know, and stuff right. like that. Um, and for some reason, when the Rams traded away their quarterback to get arguably a better quarterback, but started to really kind of change the team and like what they did this year is they just like built a superstar roster of players. 
And it just didn't feel, it just didn't have the same feeling for some reason as a team that was like, I don't know, I just, I don't know. I had no allegiance to the old quarterback, Jared Goff. He's kind of a goofball. Yeah, I know uh, nothing. But for whatever reason, I just became a, a Niner fan um, this year because they got a guy on their team who's my favorite football player. Anyways, we're sidetracked. But so the Rams we're are We're not, because I was also excited about the 49ers, too, when the Rams were down here. So, so the Raiders and the Rams and the 49ers, they were all – it was like you're supposed to like a team because you're in California. And I think I said, I like the Rams because of the colors. But the 49ers are exciting, too. So I hear you. I'm with you. Um, so I found myself, I was like, here, here, here's the Rams in the Super Bowl. The last time they're in a Super Bowl, I was, I had my hat, had my little Rams towels ready to root for them. But this year I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I care. I care about watching a good game, but Cincinnati, I kind of, I kind of like them better in a weird way. There's some, because I like, because once you start watching, playing fantasy football, you kind of start falling in love with players. Because you have to, because you're not... You are not a team. You are your players. Yeah. And there's, I like the, 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 the Cincinnati players better. Um, but it's so weird though, because the Rams are, they got some amazing, amazing, great players. So I don't know why that happened. So anyways, I watched the game just to enjoy a good game. It was a good game. Uh, That's great. And the Rams won. Yes. Which is good for them. But good. that's not the hoo-ha. Oh, that's right. That's just the game. Actually, nobody cares the, about that. That's just the game. Jess, you gotta, you got to reel me in here sometimes. Well, no, never have I ever had to reel you in. Normally, it's the other way around. I, I, but we're on it. We're, today is a, a different episode of You Don't Know Nick, and that's just fine by my, by my standards. What we didn't get a chance to talk about last week was the <laughs> – I saw this tweet. It was so funny. It's where it's like – where someone was like, Oh, this this year is not for me. It's for kids, you know, or you know, or this year is like for all the old people, like Paul, you know, like I don't know who this person is, or Billy Joel, why, or whatever. And then then someone was like, Oh yeah, this year is totally for me. Oh, I'm the old person now. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, this year is for the young people. Oh, wait, no, it's not. I'm it's the for, old person yeah. this time. <laughs> and so I actually got to see a similar lineup to this year's. Uh, what this year's Super Bowl was at Coachella years and years ago. Okay. Then it was basically all our, our all our West Coast rappers. Eminem, I think Dre was there. Snoop definitely was there. They were all like performing with Tupac Shakur's hologram. I was the first oh, person yeah. to see the hologram. Uh -huh. That's right. Yeah. Um. So I I'm sure I will I will eventually go to watch. I'm very weird when it comes to award ceremonies and big events like this. If I'm not there, sometimes I don't even want to watch it. So that's why I didn't. I really avoided it. It's a weird th thing that I can't quite put into words. But I think I will watch it because it's amazing music. Mary J. Blige and it's all it's it's our it's our era of music. Wait, whose era? Mine. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's okay. not. It's, it it's is. my era. No, it, it's, it was for millennials. Eminem was not you. And now here is the hoo-ha. The hoo-ha. Okay? Whose generation can, which generation can lay claim to that halftime show? Because this is what caused the stir online is you had all these millennials going, 
oh my God, finally a halftime show just for us. And then you had all these Gen Xers going, what the fuck are you talking about? That's our halftime show. It's not your halftime show. If it was your halftime show, it would be Tupac. It would be Biggie. It would be uh, uh, fuck the police. It's that, that, uh, this is ours. How old were you when Chronic came out? 1992. How old were you in 1992? Oh, six. 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 And you're telling me this is yours? No, great, fine. Eventually, Eminem. It's maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit closer to to that age when he came out as the age that I was when you know Dre and Snoop dropped Chronic. Um, but so that's not like Dre just showed up. That was his first album. He, you know what I mean? Been with NWA, like you're, and and the whole halftime show is 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 about that collective that Dre kind of you know produced and brought about right right so which spans two generations yes and you know i guess you know you know what was the other guy's name kendrick like he's not you know he's even was more he there current than us that his name kendrick was, lamar yeah yeah he was, he was, there, the, he was there oh yeah. i did not know that okay so so there is you can make make you know once you add him you're like oh we were really spanning a spectrum here mm-hmm. but the idea that this was for millennials and not for gen xers is like an insult to gen xers um ah i see so there is some hoo-ha there is there's a lot of back and like a lot of you know my limited twitter viewing i saw it or or facebook scrolling i saw the hoo-ha of people trying to lay claim wow there was one i saw that was like they didn't use this word, but they basically said, you know what? This is for neither of you. This is for the Xennials. They didn't say Xennials, but that's what they meant. This is for all those people born in the you know late 70s, early 80s. It's neither you Gen Xers and neither wow. you Millennials. It's for us. <laughs> I think that we need to hold hands across America and accept that we're all old. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, th- I, well, I think the thing was is that like because yeah you know I mean I guess maybe you could say Prince is a Gen Xer type artist which he many, is which many totally. people would, would arguably say is the best halftime show of all time I don't know where you stand on that I don't care enough about Prince to think that that's true well, did you see it? Do you remember? Yeah, yes. That it, that it like started but like rain the music in the middle of purple rain, and yeah. The music just, didn't matter to me. I just wasn't. I wasn't raised on Prince or, or with an appreciation of Prince. And this, I also didn't know how little I knew about Michael Jackson until after he died. To be honest, like these are just two artists that just soared past me. I think. If I'm going to tell you, like, my favorite, it was Bruce or Beyonce. Halftime show, Bruce or yeah. Beyonce. Mm. Uh-huh. Those were ones I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And Lady Gaga, I didn't care about her at the time. And now I might be like, let's watch the shit out of that. That's going to be dope. I think I watched it, but I didn't care. 
Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, I I I feel like not knowing Prince is the bane of my society. But even when I've like tried to not a society bane bane of my existence, but and something I'm embarrassed about to some extent. But I don't. Every time I listen to Purple Rain or it's on the radio, I don't have an emotional connection to it at all. It doesn't sound like a good song. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> it's just not that great. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Are you pretty? Uh, I'm sorry. I just need a moment here. I just have a sip of my water. <clears throat> I didn't. Not that great of a song? It's not. <laughs> oh my God. It's not. Oh it's not. Tell me what's great about it. Uh, it's so over- If I could sing, I would sing it for you right now. It's, aggr- it's overproduced. It's, it's purple rain, purple rain. That, what is that? Dove's Cry is a better song. Okay, well, it's great. Well, but I feel like. Yeah, Dove's Cry, Little Red Corvette, um, uh, 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 Raspberry. Uh, ber- Raspberry's beret is dumb. No. Raspberry beret. No. No, thank you. Party Like It's 1999. I, it's, I'm not saying he's a bad writer. I, don't get me wrong. I just don't. The, the music doesn't make me groove. And you know what? Maybe if I'd seen him in Vegas, I would have felt differently. If I had grown up with him, I would have felt differently. Because I'm sure what he did at the time that he did it was revolutionary. I'm positive of it. Just in the same way, this is a, this is another conversation that we should definitely have, maybe more in depth at another time. My generation's very cynical about you two. Very cynical. But if you're not listening to music age into 1989 and Joshua Tree, you have no basis to understand why that's a fucking revolutionary album. But mm-hmm. when it was phrased to me that way, like, just picture all the other songs that have graced the radio and then you put on the vinyl of Joshua Tree and you hear this game changer. I understand that. Prince has yet to have that impact on me. It's a shame. I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe we got to just like, you know, tie you down, force you to listen to Prince over and over again. Uh huh. F- feed That's, you. Feed so you, you think Molly. indoctrination is the best way? Uh huh. I need. I'm going to start to like lay Doesn't in some mean it's not neural good, pathways though? into your brain. No, 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 no. But I think you know what you know. I think this is, this is this has got to be generational. There's nobody in my generation that would say anything negative about Prince. I just can't. This is why it's unfathomable to me that that you have any disdain for him. I don't, I don't have disdain. No, if I've ever respect. met anybody who's ever not had respect for friends. I just mean that, like, I don't throw him on the purple velvet pedestal that other people do. You maybe need to do a little bit more research. The man w- was. A wouldn't musical have, genius. Wouldn't musical it have genius. grabbed me at this point? I'm not unfamiliar. I'm not uncultured. But here in lies here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but here's what's so this is what's interesting because like so many people, millennials I saw posting on Twitter were saying, like, this is the greatest halftime show ever. And I think arguably uh Gen Xers would majority would say. 
Prince is the best halftime show ever. So it's interesting to see that you don't really have that connection with him because I'm sure there's probably tons of other people like you. I'm like, yeah, Prince, great, whatever. I just think that because his music didn't jump the fence into the 90s as like more seamlessly as like a, a Michael Jackson did or Madonna did, I didn't have any emotional tie to actually listen to his songs that happened in the 80s. That's all. Uh, he did That's have albums released in the 90s. And I can were they good? For you. Yeah, they were good. They, but they were not his, his they biggest. They weren't hits. Yeah, they Although, all, well, no, he had hits. Uh, cream, get on top. Cream. Don't you remember that song? Now, meanwhile, he's like, you know, he's in his video humping humping the ground right right while he's, right while he's playing guitar you guys are missing the nick masu show right now <laughs> he does he loves gyrating his pelvis more than anybody i know look he i don't know how to describe I, like i'm probably not at the best i gotta give we'll have to get a guest on here you know who we need to get on this show who hmm. i will be sad to tell this to their face hmm. mike delonzo why is he a big? Is he a big Prince fan? Huge, yeah. Huge, huge Prince fan. He would be the. Per you know what I'll do when you're gone on paternity leave? I will get Mike Delonzo on this on this show, and I will Great. reveal my very sad opinion. And he will more eloquently than I explain to you why Prince is a musical. He genius. will shame me and lift me up at the same time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, so we got to move on. We got so many other things to talk about. But I'm sorry, world. I'm sorry. Uh, Nick, we've had so much fun talking about things up until this point. I just don't know what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. I feel like we've been hearing that this was a potential for years with certain occupations that Russia has done. Is that right? Am I wrong in assuming that? Well, they annexed Crimea in, I think, right. 2014. And I remember that being like a subtle act of war at the time, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know how subtle it was, but yeah. Or like we just didn't care or couldn't. So so what's going on? Do What do you know that I don't know, which is majority of things? I mean, I'm we all don't know we're all catching up we're all trying to figure it out um what i what i do know is that he's amassed you know forces two almost 200,000 strong across the border and um and that that leading in there was this sort of like dumb conversation about will he won't he or that somehow diplomacy was going to stop him and that you know, threatening with sanctions, we're going to stop him from doing it. I think rightly so, and I'm glad he did it. Biden was saying, no, this is going to, uh, he's going to invade. Like, I'm just telling you now, this is what's happening. And there was everyone else in the world was like, no, no, no. Why are you trying to provoke him? Why, why are you trying to, there's still diplomacy. Like even Ukraine guys like, no, 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 nobody's invading anybody. Are you serious? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wow. And there was a lot of criticism of the U.S. for being so aggressive, which is ironic because then you have like the GOP in the U.S. being like, that's not aggressive enough. What, what are we doing that's aggressive? By just saying point blank, Russia's going, their intent is to invade. I see. I see. 
as opposed to like, well, we don't know yet. Let's talk it out. Let's see. <laughs> I see. You know, well, because people just... are afraid to make a choice, it sounds like. So what precipitated people starting to to speculate that this was going to happen in the first place? Oh, just mass movements of troops along the border. I mean, I see. So people see. were aware of what he was doing. I mean, you don't move 200,000 troops without somebody noticing. I see. <laughs> I don't, well, so that's what I'm saying. I don't know any of this. And, and I think, you know, like, look, this, like, we've obviously got spies in Russia. There's no way we, we have intelligence units everywhere. all over the, everywhere. And they have it here too. You, you know, we're just waking, we're just waiting to awaken your sleeper cell, you know? Yes. And then <laughs> watch out. I, I am fighting for, uh, for, for Chechnya. The Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> what can I, um, for Cyprus, Greece. I'm really, uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. um, no, I, I feel like based, this is where my spidey sense is, is that like, we've known, we've known for, a, for a while that this is probably going to happen. Um, and so then seeing the troop movement was just more confirmation than, than anything. Um, but there's like, how much intelligence does the U.S. say that they know? Like, so they have to be mindful with their intelligence, but eventually they, they can't know, say what, what they know either, you know, it, I like think what do last... we need to actually know? Yes. And within the like last week or two, US, they, what from I heard was like they were doing information share, which basically just means sharing their intelligence. And basically, I think US oh. kind of going, hey guys, this is why I'm saying what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I'm not just up there on the bully pulpit here, which. Wow. It's actually better to be on a bully pulpit than not. What does bully and pulpit mean? You go up there, you're at the, you're at the pulpit being a bully pushing people around with things oh, that you're saying. Oh, bully pulpit. You know, which is basically what Putin is, but he's not, he's not bluffing. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, so I think, I, I, you know, I, this is just my own sort of like, you know, why now he could have done it during Trump's time, but maybe he waited so after that people Trump didn't was done. incriminate Trump in it. Yeah, or maybe he was getting he was getting what he wanted out of Trump. Like, why does he really want to invade Ukraine? I mean, yes, he what he says is he wants to like reunite old Russia, in which obviously he wants more territory, more power. There's a lot of I think oil and resources there in Ukraine. So he wants all that, but also I'm thinking like he knows he's taking a bold ass step. Like, what does he gain out of this? And he gains so much more than just um a country. I mean, like he destabilizes one of the things and one of the things he gains is destabilizing the US even more. Because Russia's already so divisive of, of a topic here that now what by not doing it during Trump's era, but doing it during Biden's era only makes the argument more for Trump of like wow. Trump, you know, which is exactly what Putin would want. He would love to get Trump reinstalled, like because it even fucks our democracy up even more. You know, I mean, there's so much to gain in terms of this as a political move for them um, and why they chose to do it now uh, is, in, you know, is interesting. Like, was it was it always planned to happen around here? When did he decide to do it? Was he going to do it during Trump's presidency but didn't? Or did he decide that, oh, if he didn't get reelected, oh, this is an interesting opportunity to 
to to move forward on this or does it not like or is like everything where he needs it to be anyway and there's a certain point where you just have to make a choice like i think it's interesting too last week there was a report that trump is still in communication i believe with kim jong-un um, oh, yeah. <laughs> right so one of the things my very smart politically um affluent friend said is trump's just gonna rent a hotel down the street from Washington, you know, the White House and take meetings with diplomats all day. He's still going to act like the interim president um, so that he can run again. So I don't think there isn't a phone call that isn't being placed to Trump in some way or another here. So I, I just don't think Trump's out of the picture essentially. Mm. I just think it's just something to think about. I don't know how that we still don't know what Trump likes about Russia or what beholden was he was beholden to them for, but it's very clear. I think if anything, it just made him electable, right? Um, I think tr how Russia infiltrates our social media made Trump electable, so it's probably made sense for him to be on that guy's side. But I just don't think he's totally cut ties or never. Never didn't not have ties. No, yeah. I mean, well, I think, you know, I think he thinks he's getting stuff out of that, out of that relationship. Um, and I'm sure, sure he is. I mean, they, they were, I wasn't, they weren't, weren't they going to build some big Trump hotel in Russia before? He I think ran? that's right. Yeah. So there's all that stuff going on there. And he's a huge narcissist. So he loves, uh, he loves being the head honcho guy and he wants to hang out with other tough guys, you know, but if he thinks that he's somehow on Putin's level of intelligence, <laughs> right. And like that, and that, that Putin is somehow his friend. It's just the dumbest. It's the, then he's dumber than, than but he, are, doesn't he have aides and people around him that are smart, that do know how to use this to their behest like even joe biden isn't even really our president he's got people telling him what to do behind the tables that we'll never even know you know so well, sure like, but what, so, what smart, you, smart people around no but but here's the difference is biden listens to his people and trump does whatever the fuck he wants to do i don't even i don't think so i think trump gets i think trump has worm tongues where people are like whispering it in his ear and going this would be really great for your ego sir if you did this people know how to fluff sure. that motherfucker oh certainly yes so i'm just yes. saying there's smart people that know how to manipulate the situation for their like kushners and stuff like that so just like even though Kushner's a fucking idiot too, but like people know how to use this bad situation or this horrible person to their financial power struggle gain. Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, but how is that? So in this particular scenario, what where do you see that? So you're saying for Trump to be to not think he's as to not realize that he's not as smart as Putin is a moot point because he has smart people or manipulatable people around him that know how to ex uh, utilize this situation. But here's the thing. Trump is a narcissist. So he thinks he's smarter than anybody who's whispering in his ear. Now, granted, yes, people whispering in his ear can, you know, break the iron wall and get to a brain cell. Um, <laughs> you know, clearly he watches Fox News and then suddenly thinks, yeah, I'm going to, I should do that thing that they're right. talking about. So yeah, he's, totally 
influ- influenced by what he sees and hears. But at the end of the day, he's a narcissist, so he thinks that whatever he thinks is best is best. Right. Whether it comes from somebody else or not. And, you know, whereas somebody like Biden is going to try to be thoughtful and, and intellectual and listen to everybody and try to give a, have a fair, balanced perspective. What he does with that information, whether it's smart or effective, is another question. But his approach is completely different. Um, and so Trump thinks he's smart enough to hang in a room with Putin. And it doesn't matter who's chiming in your ear. At the end of the day, Putin um, is, is, the, is like the epitome of evil mastermind. Right, He's like right. former, former KGB. I mean, what they did was play mind games. He's, you know. He's a genius, yeah. He's a genius. He knows, you know, he knows what he's doing. And then, like, did you hear the, the, the Trump quote after he called in, called in Fox News after they <gasps> invaded? I mean, no. Like, I don't I've know not exa- heard a thing from Trump, and it makes me happy. He, you know, he called in the Fox News to give his comments on, on what was going on. And he was, <laughs> the calls was like, wow, man, what Putin did was really smart. That's a smart thing he did. He basically uh, claimed those territories as not being a part of Ukraine. So then he could invade them. And, and it's not like he's invading Ukraine. Man, that was really smart. We should think about doing that on our southern border. That's literally what he said. <laughs> like, so... What a psychopath. Exactly. You're not dealing with a normal human being. He is- well, no, but someone told him that, that that's what we should do. And the, fu- the fucking conservative right-wing media is going to now find a way to finagle that. Like someone believes that. And so he had to hear that from somewhere. No, he saw what Putin did and was like, man, I wish I could just invade countries. That's right. What he, that's right. what he did. No, that's just, that's a okay, narcissist. That's he's like, like that's he's like, oh man, yeah, that's great. Basically, I think not giving him credit or giving the people around him credit is dangerous. That's how I feel. No, but I'm not not giving him credit. Right. Here's what because here's why he likes it so much because what Trump is a is clearly a master of is media and brand manipulation. Right. That's what his whole thing is. His whole career, everything he's based on is a lie that he's manufactured. He's been doing it his whole life. He's been, and he did it his whole presidency. It's why he was the king of Twitter. He knows how to like manipulate situations to get you to think one thing while he's doing another and yada, yada. And that's what he loves so much about what Putin did. What Putin did is he rebranded this, these two territories. Wow. Um, he rebranded them as independent. How did and he then, do that, though, if they were the Ukraine? Well, those two particular territories, so this was a couple of days ago. I mean, since then, he's invaded, you know, Kiev or Kiev. Oh. I think it's supposed to be pronounced Kiev. And it was a full-scale invasion last night, Jess. Welcome wow. to <laughs> welcome to Ukraine's not probably, it's going to be a part of Russia very soon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is uh, Thursday. Okay. Yeah, so, so this was last night. Um, the Russian stock wow. market crashed fifty percent. As as the Western, you know, the the NATO alliances put sanctions on, and Biden gave a speech today. Um. So yeah, no, it's a full now. It's a full scale invasion. So what we're talking about is a couple of days ago when there was a couple of what they call separatist uh, groups that wanted that that are still loyal to Russia. They're in Ukraine but they're loyal to Russia. Mm. 
And so they had started to fight and take action. And in that, there's these two area, these two territories that are controlled by these separatists that then Putin is saying, I declare those as independent states, just the same way the U.S. might say, we declare you a sovereign country based on our criteria. You know, like, you know, I mean, he's speaking to his people, his, you know, to Russia and whatever, whoever else will listen to him, which is a whole world of people that are watching different media than we are. Yes. That I declare them as independent. Therefore, when I go in and invade. It's not an act of war. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not invading Ukraine. But it's also just, just a stall tactic. I mean, he's just been, he's just been like throwing red herrings all, all over the place. Amazing. His plan the whole time was a full-scale invasion, which is what he started last night. Wow. So what, what next? We can't get involved, right? Because the UN won't. No, we can get involved, but now we, it depends on what you mean by getting involved. So you mean physically involved, like sending troops. You're then now in a war with Russia. Right. What does that look like? Do you want to go down that road? I don't think so. I don't right. think anyone wants to. And, and Putin knows that. Exactly. So what they do is they just throw down the heaviest sanctions they can. So no American business can do business in Russia. No Russian business can do business in America. We're going to, we're going to freeze any financial assets in countries that have banks that control banks where your money's, you know, so they're just, you know, and that's where all the NATO alliances, they all come together to have coordinated sanctions that, that will affect things. Um, but Putin had to anticipate that. Yeah. So it probably doesn't matter to him. No. Well, because I think now this, I don't know. This is just a pure guess. So right now we're extrapolating. We're right, we're right in our old school territory speaking, <laughs> speaking about things. That, <laughs> but, um, for, for, like, I would think for him, it's like Russia is already a very sort of like uber wealthy few and then everybody else, right? Unless it's affecting the uber wealthy, the oligarchs, then he's probably fine. So what? The commoners are pissed off. It's fine. Whatever. It it doesn't it doesn't matter to him. Yeah, it's probably only going to help his his agenda too to and, to, to deregulate from this. And then what he's and then what he's doing on his media is convincing his people that that Russia's the one that's been slighted by Ukraine. Ah. Right. Wow. And therefore, he's just so. So there's probably a lot of people, you know, believing in what wow. he's telling them, and and so, wow. so maybe they're willing to suffer economically in order, you know, for the for mother for the mother Russia. Wow. You know. Well, because they're told it's the right idea. It, what? What's what? What? I think we should talk about this more at another time where we could spend a little more time about it like what did the 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 way russia has impacted the many different generations not just our generation but you know from the cold war to ussr to all these things i think it's fascinating that this has always been the the clearest and present danger besides germany to at least united states um well, right well this is this is well this is what's so fascinating about American politics right now, because 
for my generation, they were the number one enemy. And then, you know, for my generation before me, you know, like, like all the movies were about Russian bad guys, right? right? Like, you know, eyes like me and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what uh, the Middle East is today, Russia was right. in the past, right. but even more so in that, like you had a nuclear arms race, you know, you're, you know, you had um, East and West Germany, you know, you had the, literally Berlin separated by a wall, right? right you had right. communism versus democracy. I mean, this is like way bigger than, um, you know, the sort of Middle East, U.S. conflict, even though that is huge unto its own in a different way. Um, so this was like, this is like, <laughs> you know, it's the Cold War. It's America's enemy. Um, and then that ended and and things started to shift. But but Russia's always been kind of considered not our friend. Um, it should always be worrisome. But with Trump and pushing the needle and being like, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with Russia? What's wrong with Putin? And him being the leader of the Republican Party. And now you have Fox News being like, I mean, it's just... I mean, what's wrong? I mean, like Tucker Carlson did this oh, <laughs> fucking rant no. about like, what's what's wrong with Putin? What did ever what did he ever do to you? Did he ever call <gasps> you? Did he ever call you racist? Did he? And he starts like basically liberate like oh, like laying all no. the sort of things that like, the liberal say, agenda, you know. Right. And you're like, what? What is happening? Suddenly, the Republican Party is pro Russia when. <laughs> When traditionally, out of any political group, you would say they were the most aggressive anti-Russia? Like, so now there is a new story that's being written literally right now by the, by the GOP to change American viewpoint of Russia. And I think there's going wow. to be a lot of people, a lot of conservatives who, who are just going to go, yeah, what's wrong with Russia? I think there's still plenty of conservatives who might be like, um, maybe, maybe a little bit more like, I don't know, have a friendlier take to Russia, but still think they're the enemy. I don't know. Um, but yes, it's the, the, the script has been flipped and it's going to be interesting to see that if this script stays this way, they're gonna how that get... changes. They're gonna get people. They're gonna get the conservatives or the people that watch Fox News to like Russia by yes. saying that liberals, yes, like Russia. And the thing is, is they don't realize this is exactly what Putin wants. That's what I'm oh. saying. It's like mission oh. accomplished. And even if he didn't like succeed in taking Ukraine, which why wouldn't he? Nobody's gonna stop him. He, um, and he knew it. This is. This is a huge benefit he gets. I mean, that America is divided over what they think about Russia? That's insane. That's never been the case. <laughs> that's in, that's impressive. That's why he's smarter than Trump. That's that's why, you know, like this is all, you know, it's all calculated in his mind, you know? Wow. And it's the long game. He played the cold war game i mean i have a very vivid memory of like me and my brothers running around the house when we we're kids like shooting each other with machine guns and <laughs> and my mom my my poor mother oh. my poor 
five foot one mother coming in with a wooden spoon trying to settle us down going you know sit down shut you know stop running around the house and my brother going die you commie bastard no unbelievable what would your mom how would she go to sleep at night oh Die, you commie bastard. I mean, you're right, because it was so saturated in our culture. Like, it much too. I've been rewatching Family Guy, you know, which I never watched religiously, but uh, because I'm watching the Orville for the other podcast that I'm on, I just want to continue watching other Seth MacFarlane stuff if I'm not watching Orville. So, I've been, the, the weird thing has been is I started from the most recent season and I've been going backwards. So now I'm in like, season 10 which is tw- 12 years ago or nine years it's been a, it's a long time ago obama had just been elected essentially uh so it was much longer than that i guess even um and it's amazing not in a good way how many jokes are geared towards muslims mm. because it's a post a freshly post 911 world oh yeah it's wild it's i mean it's so crazy because like especially as an actor too of like you know growing up and and seeing all you know russia being the bad guy in our movies and then suddenly after 9 11 oh no i'm the bad guy in our movies yes you are i mean it's good for income but it's so bad for actually understanding a culture that is has just been vilified mm-hmm. just completely vilified um We'll see. Maybe maybe this will give the respite to our our Middle Eastern friends <laughs> that they that they deserve. No, 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 no. There's, there's... <laughs> it's not going anywhere. I know, I know. <laughs> well, stick around because after this next little ditty, we're gonna talk about NFTs, and then we'll let you back to your other podcasts. Yes. NFT coin or uh, crypto coin here. Well, here's the thing. Uh, oh. I think this is a teaser. I think this is a bigger conversation. Okay. We keep on doing this, by the way. I know that we've had a lot. It's a long podcast today, so we probably can't get through it. And I probably do need to watch the same video you watched. I'm just saying we keep on doing this. Okay. Well, let's get into it because I do think that maybe this is just a multi-parter. We'll say that. There's multi-NFT conversations to be had. And I think there's potentially a couple of NFT guests that maybe we should talk about. A mutual friend who is 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 who shares <laughs> your first name? Who shares my first name? Who I was gonna say is Dick Deep in, in NFTs. I mean, he's so deep. Not knee deep. He's all the know. way. I don't know if he wants to hear it. I don't know if that's how he <laughs> wanna be talked about, especially knowing he's Especially knowing he doesn't know he's being talked about, but maybe he would appreciate it. I would. That's actually a perfect guess. We're gonna tease them for that. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Uh, and he's got a very strong opinion. And then I have another friend who I don't know if he'd want to be a guest, but he's also gone headfirst wow. into it. Um, and I'd be curious to get his opinion. But okay. we gotta you, dick dick squeeze them in before you have a dick baby. So we'll I know time is running out. Time is running out. What do you got for me? What what do you think? So 
what you sent me something that was an hour long or you mean after you sent me your NFT, NFT video you I sent you an NFT video that a friend of ours Silkatu sent and then you sent here's a you sent a 10 minute video a 10 minute video uh, not about NFTs but but uh, but but about crypto right and and the next I listened to that on my drive to a baseball game because I play softball now and then um, another hour long video played after that. So I just listened to that mm. and it wasn't so much about NFTs as it was a, also similar to that 10 minute clip about why investing in crypto makes sense from a long-term macro top-down like perspective in terms mm. of the security of assets. Mm-hmm. Which really was a great argument for it. Like if you, you know, real estate can change. You can't move it. You know, real estate, you can more than likely make money, but it's not the same thing. And blockchain technology, if it, it affords you the opportunity to actually make money if it, if and when it succeeds. And also another takeaway, and you've talked about this several times where the main guy that was talking on, on the video he was in both videos was talking about like how he's an early investor in apple and, and okay oh, so, so, it. so it was the same i'm sorry to interrupt it was the same guy in it the was video. the same guy so that that's that's his name is michael saylor uh-huh um and there was another guy that was also being interviewed a, 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 an asian man who i didn't catch the name oh was it was his name willie Wu? could be sounds like a, he's like a huge bitcoin dude all yeah. of, he was talking about how all of his assets are in Bitcoin. He has literally no. He like literally yeah. has only two thousand dollars cash. It in might an be ATM. him. He's a he's a big sort of personality on the. On yes, the yes, yeah. yeah. For like years too. That was my impression. Um, yeah, and Michael Saylor's is is a recent conversion. Yes, converter to uh, to Bitcoin and a huge Bitcoin enthusiast. He's he's the. I think founder and CEO of this company called MicroStrategy. Anyways, just the point saying, very smart guy, investment guy, and one of the biggest advocates for Bitcoin. Now that he understands the now longevity he... of transferring wealth, etc., that's what that's what I seem to gather. Mm -hmm. The other flip of it is now that I understand, even though I kind of knew that blockchain technology it still doesn't have like everyday applications, which is why so many people are like, this is, this could fail or this might not happen or it's a bad idea. There it's more that I can see based off the conversation I had with Silkatu, why it's a bad idea is also that it totally kills privacy. So if you join a club by buying a token that you have to uh, uh, get your name on a blockchain for, Everyone can publicly see that, including insurance companies or this other thing that already could look on your internet, you know, your Instagram and preclude you from having better insurance just based on the fact that you might have a cigarette in your hand. So the, the it's a privacy nightmare, essentially. And I had not considered that before. Okay, but you, did you just switch topics a little bit slightly? So, so first you were about to That's talk blockchain. about... Huh? That's the blockchain, as I understand it. Yeah. So, so you're talking about how actually, you know, people think the block, you know, like Bitcoin is this sort of like anonymous thing where you can, on the black market, where you can, you know, do things without being detected by more centralized systems. But in all actuality, one of the things about the blockchain is that 
it is a permanent, each block is a permanent record of whatever happened there that can never be destroyed. Therefore, and it, it isn't in the benefit of the everyday person as it's being sold to be, it still is in corporate interest ultimately. And the only people that can really make money from it right now are people that have money, which is just yet again, another corporate interest uh, benefit. Okay. So you're, so you're starting I'm, to make I'm, a lot. I'm doing like um, I'm advocating. I'm doing both sides that I'm trying to understand. Is what I'm well, well, let me let me try to categorize this a little bit for our listeners. So, a lot of what you're saying right now are the sort of arguments um, that were laid out in the two and a half hour video that I watched, even though you haven't watched it. Right, but but but, but, but I converse with the person that sent it to us, and yeah. and I think my goal for us to talk about NFTs since we talk about crypto so much is to a educate ourselves a little bit better. B, I want to know more about it before I full bore support it and or vilify it because so many people have uh, polar opposite views on this. And I know we're not necessarily talking about NFTs, but NFTs use the blockchain in theory. Yeah. So let's put the Michael Saylor Bitcoin as an asset conversation. You know, we can get into that more in depth. I just see the pos- I just see the positive of that. Yeah. So so that's the that's, that's the I mean. that's the arg. This is for people out there. That's the argument for Bitcoin in particular as being a sort of store of value. A you know a lot like mm-hmm. gold, where because you have these sort of you know this blockchain never breakable um, record of transactions, it makes it a very secure investment because there's a limited amount means that it will rise in price as it goes on. That's part of Michael Saylor's argument for the benefits of Bitcoin. It has no cap, yeah. Now, what you're talking about with the sort of the the other side, which is very well represented in that video you sent. I wish we could say, I wish I could remember the guy's name or whatever it is, but he does a lot of different vlogs, but he did a two and a half hour vlog about NFTs. But in order to do NFTs, you have to kind of do all of crypto. He did a really great job. But it's kind of the cynic's point of view as to why the blockchain is bad mm-hmm. and why, uh, in particular, NFTs as well are just are are just a minefield of uh, traps and Ponzi schemes and scams and things like that. But one of the things that you're talking about was one of his, one of his arguments, which is really interesting, which is people think that the blockchain is going to provide for them a level of anonymity when, in all actuality, it's a locked record of an event. Now, if you cannot be associated with your wallet address, if nobody can connect you to the wallet address, right? Then maybe you know, at least on that level, you could be somewhat anonymous, um, because that really is the main thing that is at the it's threat. Not, it's not your the... name on the blockchain; it's your wallet address. Ah, uh, right. On the blockchain. Now, if you start a, one of the interesting things is he pointed out, like if you apply that to like social media, and like apparently there's a social media company that's doing blockchain, who basically in their terms of service has to say, you know, just so you know, anything you put on here is on here forever. It's never going away. You can never get rid of it. Whereas 
you know, current social media, you could take it down, <laughs> you know? I mean, you can take it down, but the internet also keeps a record. So if you wanted to look at someone's old post. It's, it's still possible, yeah. You, but you're what, what you're seeing is like every edit. And again, you can, that's the thing that kind of is funny about like deleting old tweets or whatever. It's all there, baby. It's all there. If, they, if someone really wanted it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. But now this is just centralizing a technology that ultimately I think is of interest to corporations and to the country. They, who wouldn't want a paper trail that is, perfect yes perfect paper trail well and so this is why for me that like when i listen to some of the counter arguments against crypto um i'm in agreement with them but i don't but what, what he does a lot is like basically dispel a lot of the selling points and myths of crypto like you and one being anonymity and um you know that that somehow it's decentralized, that somehow it's for the people and that, you know, that we all are going to get wealthier and it's not just the wealthy few who control everything. You know, he dispels all of that. Um, but for me, I never thought those things were true anyway. I never thought that this wasn't still going to be another market that's going to be controlled by big investment companies and hedge right. funds and whatever else. Right. I had never really looked at it in terms of an anonymity. I never quite understood decentralized systems um, and uh, and what their value was. I could, in theory, I was like, oh, if I could do something without anybody knowing, but I'm also not really a person, like, I don't mind regulation. I think it's helpful and I think it's important. <laughs> you know, he starts, you know, he starts talking about like, you know, you're not going to have any consumer protection agencies. What happens when you get screwed? Which right now there is no recourse if you get screwed in crypto, which mm -hmm. people get screwed all the time. Um, again, I never had any illusions to that if this thing if this thing reaches its sort of mass application day to day use, all of those things are going to be have to be part of it. Otherwise, um, you know, there's no, there's not going to be this, this utopian, decentralized, <clears throat> no regulations, do what you want world. It's going to be very controlled, regulated. You know, companies are going to issue their own currency. So's, so's governments. So, yeah. So I think what was interesting was how a lot of people get sold in on crypto based on ideas that are, yes, that are a myth idealized so that i think that does not give a good name to crypto and nfts when you have people that are manipulating it like a ponzi scheme and selling people on the idea of it being good for the regular person do you know what i mean that does not give it a good name so i can see people feeling really nervous about it or feeling polarized against it and here you should be nervous about crypto right now in terms of if you're going to start investing your money into it you 100 percent should be nervous about it and there are ways to be mindful that's they have these cold storage wallets don't ever leave your your money on an exchange website make sure you back up and save your key codes like you don't just get into to crypto and just run rough shot um sending your your wallet address here and there and like talking to people because you're going to get 
you're going to get scammed. It happens all the time, happens every day. So what you do, you do need to be smart about it and you need to learn how to protect yourself. Now, that's always been the case, but it's easier now to protect yourself. So the average person like ourselves can get involved. But a couple of years ago, I, I was, I'm probably too untechnologically savvy to be able to have actually done it. Like I, I don't want to go get an extra cold storage hard drive and then go to this, go to there, you know, get this thing. And then I got to go through this website to get to this right. other one. You know, I'm glad there's Coinbase and that, yeah, I have to pay extra surcharges, but their number one, um, their number one concern is security and they are going to work with the IRS and, you know, they are, they don't mind being regulated. You know, they want to be a part of the current system. Great. So then I feel, I feel more secure as an average individual of leaving my money in those, in that wallet or, you know, I'm not a hundred percent safe from hacking, but no, but no but they have a better track record than most. And um, so I think as time goes on, it will become easier to protect yourself against this stuff. But right now it's the wild west. It is the wild west. And especially NFTs. And I mean, NFTs, it's, yeah, it's amazing what's happening currently. Now, do you understand? I, don't actually. So I think I think you're right to punt the conversation, especially for the other person to join us. Although I would warn people they should play the episode at 0.5 speed playback because that man speaks so fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's so smart. But um, I think I still don't understand why Justin Bieber spent a million dollars on an NFT and why. Well, and, and I don't think we have the time to talk about it today. Well, I mean, I could, I'll tell you just, I'll tell you in one sentence, art Great. speculation, art speculation. That's it. To him, spending a million dollars on this potentially uh, uh, appreciating uh, piece of art um, was worth it to him. But to him, a million dollars is not the same as a million dollars to us, right? What is, I don't know what his net worth is, but... It's, it's not the same. It's a it's a drop in the bucket. It's like maybe like us spending a couple thousand dollars, maybe even less than that, a couple hundred dollars on something or a couple thousand dollars on something. Well, and um, ultimately, you're right that there's the promise of investment. Someone is very smartly telling him invest, right? Like, so that's kind of what's happening as well. So. Well, he's looking at the market. He's seeing what's happening out there. Um, and he's saying that like, hey, if, and this is an if, if digital art becomes a thing, some of the earliest art is going to be more valuable. And that's what the gold rush is right now for everybody. And that's all the hype that everybody's running on is like, some of this early stuff is going to be more valuable. And the value is the, 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 the big downside to NFT is like the value isn't based on the quality of the image because that's it's, the problem. It's garbage. It's garbage. I mean, bored apes is there's nothing appealing about these pictures other than like, oh, what does it mean to have one of the more rare bored apes? And what status does that bring you? So it brings you status that you have the money to pay for something like that. Right. 
And it's speculation because it could appreciate over time. Wild. Wild. All right. Well, the the what I want um the person that we're going to have on to to draw up an NFT for me. I have a great idea for one. If Board Ape can do it, I can do it. And our friend is making them. He well, he made yeah, he's got a he's got his own NFT. Now, do you know how do you know how that works? I mean, we could save it for him to explain how it works, but like there's definitely different sort of applications. There's for different NFTs. applications. I looked but, into it somewhat because there was a kid that's making a lot of money, you know, and they did an article on him and I was like, well, I might be investing my time incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> but it is here's what it but right now the NFT world, the primary world, is um all speculation. It's gambling. It's gambling. Ambulance. Ambulance. It's not investing. It's gambling. Straight up. Sure. Um, and you know, if you can get in there and make money and get out, good on you. But be very careful because there's you're gonna, you're gonna get there's scammers everywhere, and what you have now that may be worth whatever could be worth nothing tomorrow. Nicholas, at the end of the day. You know what's worth something to me? This time we spent together. Truly, I you know last week was very hard for me to not have. It was hard. A- it was hard on all of us. And uh, stay tuned for when we start selling our podcast cover art as NFTs, because that sounds like the next, <laughs> <laughs> the next the next level for us. Yeah, that's when we know we got it. We'll you know we'll keep the bidding. The, the starting bid relatively cents. low cents on the dollar yeah. cents on the dollar but we all know the worth we know our worth nick i'll see you next week god willing the creek don't rise oh i never heard that phrase no way it's so popular yeah no never heard god that willing and the creek don't rise it's a very southern phrase well i mean i would that's where i would have placed it um, god willing and the creek don't rise there's a ray la montaigne album called that it's all it's Pretty, maybe that was the first time I had heard it, though, to be fair. Hmm. All right, Nick. All right. God willing. And the creek and, don't rise. And the creek don't rise, which unfortunately, thanks to climate change, it is. So. It is. We all know. The levee breaks. <laughs> well, some creeks are rising and some are drying up. What a wonderful note to end this podcast on. <laughs> Goodbye, Nick. Bye, Jess. That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verde merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already consider becoming a patreon member you can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner go to patreon.com slash you don't know nick and if you haven't already leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts see you next week nichols